Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Becoming a Butterfly. This was going to be in part 2 on part 1 of depression, but I kind of made it into its own episode because the other things I talked about were relevant and again I want to keep my episodes short and sweet. So I'm going to talk about OCD, anxiety and panic attacks in this episode today. And for me, again, these are all personal experiences. Everyone deals with things differently, especially in mental health. You know, if you break your wrist, physical health-wise, you break your wrist. Someone else broke their wrist and it was a similar kind of thing. ACL, everyone's done that. Mental health, I don't, there is no one-size-fits form. So for me, OCD. My OCD comes about um, teeth brushing. People think this is bizarre. I spend about 10 minutes a day, 5 to 10 minutes working on my dental health every morning and every evening. I floss. I have these little things that go in between your teeth, which is kind of like floss. I use a manual toothbrush. I use an electric toothbrush. I have teeth whitening and I use mouthwash. I don't do the teeth whitening every day. I hardly do that much anymore, but everything else I do daily. And for me, it's kind of like my obsessive thing that keeps me feeling clean. And it's I used to talk to my mum about it, all my different kind of OCD things, and she would try and help me stop these things. And I spoke to a therapist about it. And we agreed that sometimes there's just something, some coping mechanisms that if you take them away, it's going to be more detrimental than keeping them in. So I just factor this into my day and Bob's your uncle, we carry on. Again, keeping things in order. So like my bathroom is very kind of ordered and structured you know I've got certain things here certain things there my bedroom is the same and people might be listening to this thinking oh I'm the same does that mean I have OCD no but OCD kind of is an issue when it kind of stops you living your life as normal in inverted commas because what is normal and what's not I don't know but for example when I was going to university um and I spoke to the mental health advisors there because they were aware of my past through going through school and things. And they asked if there was anything they could do to kind of make university comfortable for me. And I fought, well, my mum mainly, fought my case for having um, self-catered and an ensuite bedroom because there was things like sharing a bathroom that kind of does send me a bit, the, it worries me, you know, the thought of it worries me. And the same with sharing my bedroom. I know you don't do that at uni. Well, some people do, hint and wink, wink. Um, but I've actually, I don't really, I never share my bed with people. Um, I don't actually remember the last time I did share my bed with someone. If you come to my house, you go in the guest room, it's just not something that I enjoy doing. And people might be like, that's really weird. And it is a bit weird, but again, it's my kind of like, it goes back to the OCD, which is, it's called obsessive compulsive disorder. But for me, it's this kind of, obsessive with feeling clean I hate feeling dirty when I've been out all day I feel like sweaty and I'm like ugh, I feel gross I need to scrub myself five scrub myself five times in the shower and many a times have I showered like twice but obviously yeah people do that in a day but I mean like I've scrubbed myself done my shampoo and conditioner and then done it all over again to feel that extra cleanliness and it's these little things that build up and again, people might be listening, thinking that's not that bad. And I'm not saying what I go through, what I've been through is that bad. Everyone's experiences are different, but it's little things like this that are on the spectrum of being a bit less normal than what we perceive as normal. You know, most people do only have a shower once. I tend to have them twice um, at a time, I mean, and they don't do that every day. These are just examples. Things like the kitchen. Me and my mum kind of clash in the kitchen a lot because we are 
we both like to keep it clean. I like to keep it orderly. I can't look at something that's messy and just be like, oh, I'm going to leave it there. So living at university, I was always clearing up after other people. And in my head, I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I shouldn't be clearing up that mess. But I can't physically live in a place that is messy. And it goes on to doing like plans and things, you know, in the day. Um, I tend to have like a rigid structure, people would say. So I have this note on my phone that's been going for years and years now. And it literally has every single day the timings, like has my drives in, has chill time, it has nap times, it has podcast times, au pair work, like put absolutely everything in there. I put like change, do my teeth, brush my hair, body wash, moisturize. I put everything I need to do in there because it, once I've done that, I feel relaxed. You know, if I start the week and that's not there, I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. On holiday, it's a bit different. That start, that doesn't really happen. Um, But if I'm in my normal daily routine, I kind of need that. I just look at it. I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing today. And that's something that I feel a bit lost. I want to delete it. And I had an absolute breakdown um, because I just freaked out, you know, and it's these little coping mechanisms that are a bit slight on the kind of spectrum of extreme, I'd say. And when I'm in the gym, I find this quite a lot. I'm very rigid um, with, so people think numbers when they think OCD, you know, they think, oh I yeah I can only count I can only have the tv on volume 20 you know zeros or fives or twos I'm like that's not OCD that's just a strange thing that most humans kind of deal with um there's major cases where people can't leave the house without turning their every single switch on and off um and that is again something that they do before they leave that takes up time that's the kind of thing I'm talking about um and gym sets for me I struggle when my my, they're not all kind of like what I class as like organized um so like num I get this is numbers you know I'll do certain amount of sets and reps and I struggle kind of pushing myself or yeah, not pushing myself enough or pushing myself too much because it's all based on the numbers I'm seeing instead of my actual body's physical capabilities. But I'm doing well at kind of breaking that down slowly but surely. Um, And it's very much an all or nothing thing, Um, I think, comes into this kind of to- topics I want to talk about. I wouldn't say this is like OCD, but say if I wake up and I'm like, oh, I've missed something I don't know I've lay in bed for an hour longer than I should have then I'm like oh should I just sat the whole day off because I've ruined my plans now and that's kind of what having all these rigid plans can lead you to they think they lead you to this kind of all or nothing thinking which isn't fun but again I'm working on ways to kind of break it down by just adapting and changing one of my favorite things to say at the moment is adaptability um, and changing based on what's going on because sometimes that's what you've got to do you know that's life you can't you can't, you can't control other people. So you can only control yourself and you also sometimes can't control circumstances, but you can control how you react to them. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. And also all these things kind of, you think they only affect you, but actually they don't, they affect everyone around you. And I was kind of too selfish to realize that years ago. And I've always said, you know, self-love isn't selfish, but these kind of things, they are a bit selfish because you're so hooked on that. And like when you make a plan of stuff, you're so hooked on everything being okay for you. So you have to, you tell everyone that this is what we have to do and it kind of ruins some things. And I've realized that now looking back. Um, so I'm trying to be a bit more relaxed when I'm making like plans and things. And you figure out 
things that you need to do, like these little coping mechanisms, you figure them out in your own time and you shouldn't let them kind of affect other people. Um, And anxiety wise, you know, that links into these kind of rigid plannings and OCD kind of all or nothing feelings um, or your OCD traits, sorry, of like turning light switches on and off and things when you don't do those sort of things and when you take away these coping mechanisms your heart rate can increase you start sweating you feel sick you feel dizzy you leave the house you know putting on that brave face to smile but in the back of your head you're thinking crap I didn't check if the oven was turned off I didn't check if my straighteners were turned off I didn't do this I didn't do that and whether some people it probably does affect their day-to-day running so like obviously um sorry consciously they might you know um fall at work fall behind at work sorry it might have that kind of roll on effect or some people it's subconscious you know they crack on with their days but in the back of their mind they're being eaten alive by these thoughts that are like you're so silly you didn't do this you didn't do that and that's the reality of kind of having heightened anxiety and being constantly stressed is because all these thoughts and feelings going on in your mind they don't stop and they're constantly getting until you answer them and react to them, they're getting louder and louder and louder. And for them, that's what they want. You know, they won't back down until you fall onto it. So I used to actually, when I was brushing my teeth, I used to do this stretching routine. Um, and I did that because it was a great way to wake up, you know, kind of stretching. But I always did it when I was brushing my teeth because it meant I felt productive. You know, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm not standing still. I'm moving my body and waking up for the day. But I remember I was going to Portugal with some friends in first year that might be listening. Um, and I got in the car and they were like, what on earth have you been doing for about 10 minutes? And I was late because I was doing this stupid stretching routine, brushing my teeth for about 10 minutes. And that was me being selfish. You know, I didn't leave myself enough time to do this. And then I got in the car and I was like, oh, my God, I've annoyed my friends, but I haven't brushed my teeth properly. All these factors come in and it's allowing it's allowing those voices in the back of your head and these thoughts and feelings to take over you and ruin your day-to-day life and that is just negative you know nobody wants that nobody wants these overpowering things in the back of their mind all the time and I'm not here this podcast isn't here to kind of teach you what to do in those circumstances but it's kind of me opening up my experiences so you can be like okay I'm the same and Sarah can live her life normally without these thoughts and feelings nowadays so maybe I can too because yeah I don't think that nowadays you know gradually you'll take things out I don't do that stretching routine anymore I still brush my teeth a lot but at least I can recognize these things you know they're a bit different I'm not going to say normal and abnormal but they're a bit different to what other people do and I actually don't really know what what I've done Um, I haven't done anything consciously to kind of alleviate these things but I also think the environment you're in you know it's easy for me when I go home to fall back into my negative ways because I spent years there struggling with mental health but now I'm in Australia I haven't struggled with mental health well well no not really I haven't struggled mental health while I've been out here so it's easy for me to kind of start fresh and some people will think sorry I had to cough there and no I don't have coronavirus um but some people will think I forgot what I was gonna say (laughs) apologies um yeah some people will think no I don't want to start fresh you know I just want to get rid of these things ASAP well you kind of can't and I'm not saying to everyone go move across the other side of the world start fresh rid yourself of all the toxic environment you live in but identify your kind of triggers um what caused you to 
have these coping mechanisms why you have these coping mechanisms because it's often a suppressed emotion maybe or something you're dealing with in your life like a stressor that you don't actually want to identify head on and uh, deal with that because these coping mechanisms aren't just there for fun you know we're not born and we don't think oh, I'm going to turn every light switch on and off five times before I leave the house but there's something going on internally or externally that you haven't quite identified and acknowledged and dealt with to make you do these things and once you've done them you feel safe and you leave the house so it's identifying those things um, and dealing with them themselves and another thing I want to talk about in this podcast is panic attacks so panic attacks galore I've had in the past few years final year of university in uh, the best year ever but it was I think it was post exams yeah I went out one night and I I really don't remember the night not because I was drunk I hardly drank anything I just remember being at the bar with my friend and thinking I don't feel all right I just started crying and then next thing I know I'm sat on the floor I can't move I've got friends seeing asking if I'm okay I don't remember seeing anyone I don't remember who was there. I know a few people who were there because they were there with me the whole time and they really looked after me and took me home. But, you know, you're just so unaware. And again, at university, I was in the truck queue for see the Chuckle Brothers, my absolute goal when I was younger. They're amazing. Um, And I couldn't see a way out of this queue and I just panicked and I was so small. People were putting their elbows all over me. I couldn't see an exit. I just completely freaked out. I was with these two guys and I was like, look... I need to get out of here and they were like you'll be fine you're with us we'll be fine I was like no I really need to get out and they literally lifted me over this queue um and I got out and I just ended up having a panic attack next to this ATM and this paramedic came and she's like oh my god you're so drunk you need to leave <laughs> I'm not drunk um and another one in bed I've had them a few times when I'm lying in bed and I start thinking about death which is my biggest fear I've mentioned before and my thoughts just start spiraling and I freak out I remember texting my mum once she was out and I was like I am so sorry to do this but like I'm terrified something's gonna happen to me I can't stop blah 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 and she like came and sat with me and sat with me until I fell asleep and I was like what this was when I was in sixth form and I'm like your mum sat with you while you fall asleep um another one I was going through a really really bad about like episode of depression for a few weeks and I went for a bike ride I was fighting my family endlessly making their lives hell and I went for a bike ride and I live in the countryside I thought I'm gonna leave this bike behind this tree while I just walk around for a bit um na- maybe naive of me I'm surprised my dad didn't agree with me when I said it was naive of me but he was like actually no we do live in the countryside and it's weird that like it's weird if someone did come and take it but I'm walking down the back towards where my bike was and I'm thinking, imagine if someone took my bike, you know, that would be the chair on the top. I'm already fine with my family. I'm already struggling with depression. Like, what more do I need? God, life's so hard, right? No, I'm not saying that. But anyway, I look behind the tree. The bike is obviously gone. I go home. I panic. I didn't want to tell my parents. My sister was her bike. Um, And I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? So I called up the company and I was like, hey, um sorry I don't know why I've not told you what happened I got home and there was a parcel at home and they'd scribbled out um like the number of the company and the order number so I was like that is so dodgy my bike's gone missing there's only one person that could have come down my lane to deliver this parcel you know put two and two together it's not that difficult the driver was a fucking idiot and I'm sorry I'm saying it because he was so I called the company and I was like look 
my bike's gone missing, your driver's just dropped off a parcel, you can't see my house from the top of my lane, it doesn't take that much to figure things out. And she's like, you can't accuse my driver. I was like, I'm not accusing him, but I'm telling you he's probably done it, or at least he knows where my bike is. And I was being so nasty because I was in this depressive experience, like episode, I'm not saying it's an episode, but it's been going on for like a few weeks now. And I was just freaking out. I was like, oh my God, my parents can hate me, blah, blah, blah. So I called my mum. She's panicking. She calls my dad. Tell my sister. All hell's broken loose. I wanted to have a shower after I'd been for my walk on my bike. So I was like, I'm going to put my phone down and go for a shower. But I was too like panicked and anxious and distressed to do that. And if you could watch me now, you know, my hands are I'm getting really like tense because I just remember I completely froze and that's what my panic attacks were. Every time I've experienced them, I just freeze and I start shaking and like rack, like shaking my head back and forward and scratching at myself because it links back to the self-harm. You know, I'm trying to get rid of these thoughts, feelings and emotions inside me. I'm trying to physically like scratch them off my body and shake my head so that these voices go away. Um, end of the story, I'm sure you're all wondering the guy did steal the bike and he brought it back because um, my parents told the company that we'd get the police involved and his story was I found your bike on the lane and I was going to take it to the police office because um, I didn't want anyone else to take it and I was like well I didn't leave it on the middle of the road I left it behind a tree and you weren't going to take it to the police station because we don't live near a police station so anyway that's irrelevant but my point was my sister walked in on me having this panic attack in the kitchen and I'm like naked curled up in a ball and I'm like oh my god I'm screaming like get the voices out of my head actually I never actually said get the voice out of my head I always said get them out of my head get them away from me stop talking to me like stop telling me what to do and my sister's like what is going on you look like an animal in a zoo and my parents always used to be like who are you talking to when you whenever I said like get them out of my head you know get them off me and I, it goes back to the self-harm thing. I was talking to the thoughts and the voices and the feelings inside my body that all these horrible things, I'm trying to like rid myself of them. And it comes back to the OCD side of me trying to be clean. I want to have like, you know, clean, positive, nice thoughts and feelings. But I was ridden with all this horrible stuff going on inside my body. Um, and that was a hard time for my family. And I think that kind of period shocked me into realizing how much it actually affected them because my sister didn't want to speak to me after that my parents were just like what on earth is going on I didn't know what was going on with myself it took me a while but I remember going to my sister's room and I was like I'm really sorry like you shouldn't have to see me like that um and she's like it's fine but no I shouldn't and then I was like do you know what no like enough is enough um my family have been through so much and seeing seeing me like that like they don't want to see me like that and also I need to stop being so nasty to them but all these things I'm explaining, like they make you a selfish person. And I, no one wants to be a selfish person. I'm like, okay, maybe they do, but I don't want to be a selfish person, especially not to my family who've only ever been there for me. Um, and I could have a panic attack over anything when I was like seriously ill. I remember trying on some clothes, um, for my cousin's wedding party and I thought I looked fat and tried them on and thought, oh God, I hate these. My mum was like, you look lovely. I was like, you're only saying that because you're my mum. And then I just broke down, had a panic attack, ran to the bottom of my garden, tried to scream because that's what my therapist told me. Only made it worse. Again, started scratching myself. And it was just awful, you know, all these awful times. And again, I don't want people to listen to this thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry what you've been through. 
I'd rather people think, oh my gosh, I feel sorry for what your family have been through because yeah, me too. Um, and people listen to this who've maybe been through the same thing. I kind of want to not shock you into reality, but kind of make you realize like it's not just about you. Um, mental health is selfish. And again, self-love isn't selfish, but the things that mental health kind of make you do and experience and feel, sorry, that is selfish. And once you identify kind of what makes you feel this way, you can break down um, why, like what you're doing in these kind of heightened emotional times um, and stop doing them. And for me, it wasn't like a, it's these little experiences that have added up and I've looked back and thought, actually, that's really bad. Like something needs to change. But it was kind of realizing like why I was so stressed and depressed and anxious and struggling with all these things. Um, And often it was like when my rigid plans didn't go, didn't work out, you know, I'd freak out, I'd get anxious and I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'd lead to a panic attack or it's not being able to find a way out of a situation. Something that simple can lead to such a heightened panic attack when you don't sleep and, you know, the next day you're exhausted and you cry. Um, Other things is like little things I had a panic attack in my car once because of traffic you know I was like I'm going to be late um and you can't control the traffic but you know what you can control leaving earlier so that you're not stuck in traffic or if you are you don't freak out when you are um my therapist kind of taught me to build a relationship sounds bizarre but like build a better relationship in my car so I don't freak out when I'm driving I don't mind being in my car because I've really, I've always hated getting from A to B, you know, I hate the transport side of things, you can't control public transport, you can't control traffic, um, so I've always wanted to just literally press a button and get somewhere, but I can't do that, so I need to find ways, you know, not to hate all these things, so like if I'm in a plane, you know, bringing things to distract me, if someone else is driving, it's appreciating the time that you get to spend with them, if you're driving alone, put some good music on, Um, And that's only one little thing, you know, that triggers these kind of heightened emotions. But I feel like if you listen to this and you can relate and stuff, then you can identify what in your life is your coping mechanisms. What can you change out of them and what can't? And if you can't change them, like, why can't you? And can you alleviate them to make them not make them so intense? Um, Anxiety wise, what puts you in an anxious situation? Um, I'm quite a confident person, but sometimes I go out and I'm like, oh my God, I should not be here. I don't feel happy being here. I don't feel confident. And that's a difficult thing for me to experience. Um, but it's having, going out places, when you go to places like that, you have people with you that you can kind of just talk to and be like, hey, I'm not feeling myself right now. Um, sorry, I'm a bit quiet or something. Um, with panic attacks, you know, identifying maybe days where you wake up and you don't feel great and you think, okay, it might be building today and that's okay let the tears out let the emotions flow but do something to not let it hit panic attack station you know talk to someone or do some sort of self-care that works for you doesn't have to be pretty bubble baths and cute candles or whatever um it's all about for me identifying your emotions and your thoughts and feelings and working with them you know not fighting your emotions letting them sit work through them and then chip away at them when you've got these um other things in place to deal with so your coping mechanisms yeah um this is a bit of a ramble but i've already hit 23 minutes so i hope you can take something from it um and i'm sure people can relate to these things 
And if you enjoyed it, please do go to Apple Podcasts or Google and rate Becoming a Butterfly so that more people can listen um, and learn from this. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a good day.